The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everybody, welcome to the Rotoroll Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Mr. Denny Carter, and we wish a happy Tuesday to everyone but Ken Dorsey. I've been relieved of his duties as Bills offensive coordinator. We will dive into that. More of the fallout from the Bills' stunning, inane, uh, absolutely shocking Monday night football loss. Denny Carter, including our James Cook concern level, a Dalton Kincaid check-in, a Javante Williams check-in, then the rest of the field will get to Kyler Murray's successful QB1 return. Aaron Rodgers continuing to send smoke signals that he's going to try to play quarterback this year. A Bijan Robinson check-in where Denny apparently recommended Deontay Johnson over Bijan in week 10. Well, to, specifically to Matthew Barry, who was in a guillotine league. Uh, yeah, the guillotine league I am in and where Matthew was guillotined because of you. Well, oh, seriously? Oh, yeah. man. Well, I feel a lot worse now. I don't know who he played. I need to check that. We'll also check in on the Steelers backfield, the Lions backfield, the Vikings backfield, the Chargers receivers, the Texans receivers, and much more, except for actually not much more because that's all of it that we're going to do. <laughs> that's but, it. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we're not going to be on air for 12 hours. So, no, you know. it is a lot to get to. We'll start. We're going to start with the Bears, but just the cold, excuse me, the, the Bills. The Bills. But a cold open on the Bills, Denny. One of my favorite pieces of fallout. From the Monday evening loss was Stefan Diggs's brother Trayvon Diggs <laughs> uh, demanding a trade for his brother on Twitter, <laughs> and we're getting like James Hardening like taken to new levels basically. Where like now pro athletes' brothers are beginning to yeah. James Harden on their behalf. Yeah. You went viral yet again, saying we're going to get levels of cryptic tweeting uh, heretofore never seen on Twitter <laughs> from Stefan Diggs. What do you think of this Stefan Diggs Trayvon Diggs situation? Yeah, look, anytime things are going even slightly wrong for the bills, you, you know, the cryptic tweets are coming, you know, like, and when I, when I, when I say slightly wrong for the bills, I actually mean when Stefan Diggs is not posting a hundred yards in the touchdown, um, <clears throat> no matter the results of the game. So it looks like, it looks like Stefan has, has, is now channeling his uh, cryptic messages to, to the bills through his brother, Trayvon, who uh, suggested online uh, on Tuesday morning that uh, Josh Allen was not good. Until Stefan Diggs showed up in Buffalo, which you know what, actually is true. He has a point. You got to hand it to him. You do have to hand it to him. Yeah, the, the Bills settle for a field goal in their opening series, and Steph Diggs somehow gets his phone and tweets something <laughs> like, "And here I thought I had the keys to the kingdom." Right. And you're supposed to be like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> Sounds right. bad. The, the kicker and, holds a knife. And next thing you know, it, it's me being thrown overboard. I'm like what? <laughs> like you just scored a touchdown? <laughs> I don't. I think they think you're the problem, uh, Steph. Yeah. And yeah. well, 
He's definitely not going to be with them next year. Where I come from, they used to have good quarterbacks. Like, wasn't his first quarterback Christian Ponder? Yeah. (laughs) Who was Steph Diggs' first quarterback? No, it was uh, Case Keenum. Case Keenum, correct. That's where they had the Minnesota Miracle. I believe it was Case Keenum and Steph Diggs. And then they got absolutely annihilated in the NFC Championship game. Not even remotely competitive. That was also Josh Allen's fault when he was still at the University of Wyoming. Um, (laughs) We just – the Bills – what is our concern level? They're five and five. Playoff odds are cratering. They're not cratered, but they're plunging downward. I am concerned. The Bills are clearly concerned as they're conducting a midweek firing of their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Uh, I've noticed a lot. Of, I've noticed a surprising amount of people like taking up arms in defense of Ken Dorsey, which I, I can't say I really agree with. But what, what was your pro? Yeah. I noticed you part of the the rabble. What is your pro Ken Dorsey argument? Why did he not need yeah. to go? Look, the the nerds have come together on this, and the nerds have said absolutely not. This will not stand. I mean, Ken Dorsey was fired because they had twelve guys on the field for that field goal. That that, yeah, that that's fine. Well beyond. No, let, let me. I, usually, I say something like, "I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but I'm going to bore you guys so hard with these numbers." All right, through week ten. The Bills are third in EPA per play, second in EPA per rush, fourth in net yards gained per pass attempt, sixth in yards per game, eighth in points per game. Only the Dolphins have a higher red zone touchdown rate than Buffalo. They're really good. That offense is is really you good. Really, you honestly watch the Buffalo Bills offense and think it strikes you this is a good offense? This is a good – it's a good offense. Like a, it's just, like a very rock solid offense. There's there are two or three offenses better than the Bills right now. I don't agree with that at all. And consistency is a huge part of it. Where they're an elite offense for two or three drives per game, but they still have the original sin of this offense, where there's no plan B for Josh Allen hero ball. There there just is no plan B beyond that. There's no coherent rushing approach. Like the personnel changes every week. The style changes every week. The commitment level changes every week. The offense just has no identity. Like they're fo- like they were trying to do, you know, eleven and a half tight end person and literally making up a new thing that doesn't exist <laughs> and didn't work at all. Hmm. I just feel like there's too much feeling out. There's too much. There wasn't a commitment to anything. It could be because Josh Allen has just gone too rogue, and it could, of course, be because of the personnel issues. Gabe Davis is not an NFL level number two receiver. He should no. be playing number three or four, but I'm like who all summer, it was clear to everyone. Khalil Shakir should be the number three receiver. Why was he not the number three receiver until week eight or nine? Part of this could be Sean McDermott meddling too, but you, you had the bills had an offensive identity under Brian Dable. I had absolutely no clue what their identity was last year. This came up last year. They had no counter punch whatsoever. And the, they almost lost to Skylar Thompson in the playoffs. They were not competitive with the Bengals in the playoffs. It's like, the second the Josh Allen big plays get shot down, there was just nothing. And I, I could never articulate what the identity of this offense was, especially the identity of this running game. And it's a Hail Mary firing Ken Dorsey. It's not going to make a difference. No, it's not. <clears throat> I feel like it's a Hail Mary worth throwing. Joe Brady, who was everyone's darling, analytics or otherwise, a few years ago, that someone has come up with a more coherent vision for this offense. I, I watch this team and I just don't even know what they're supposed to be beyond Josh Allen, which is a good thing to be. But I, I saw an offense I thought had no ideas. And if you're not, you got someone's got to pay the price for that. And I'm not surprised it was Ken Dorsey. I'll say that. 
Yeah, I, you know, it could be interpreted pretty easily as a shot across the bow of Josh Allen himself because Josh Allen handpicked Ken Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator once Brian Dable went to New York uh, to be their head coach. I, I'm, I'm not saying that like Josh Allen is not long for this job. I just, I, all I mean is that his struggles have, I think, led to a team that, like you said, is, is a little bit lost in the identity area uh i will say that only the raiders have a higher rate of drives that end in a turnover this season wow um and that is a change now that the, the josh allen has gone full d gaff and it's not been great well i'll say that clearly that's a josh allen problem it is but it can also be a coordinator problem just in that it's like there's nothing for it like there's no plan for him other than yeah just go be josh allen and I've, it seemed like they had hit on a successful plan early in the season where they had him going station to station, basically it was boring for fantasy, but they had him taking way more layups. He was, he's a 70% passer on the year, but he went through a stretch where he was like over 70% every week. He wasn't committing nearly as many turnovers. Uh, he wasn't hitting the big plays, but he's still averaging like eight yards per attempt. And it has seemed like they got away from the more station to station. They're having such horrible turnover luck where it's not even just the Allen yeah. interceptions. They are having yeah. like horrible, horrible fumble luck which is probably creating, causing everyone to press. But I just feel like yeah, every week it's like, I don't, I don't had no clue what kind of approach I was going to get from the Bills offense. Well, they, they've had a lot of bad luck uh, just this season. I mean, just think back to that Gabe Davis uh, drop that went for an interception oh, yeah. last night. Like that was right. That was right to him. Like that, that, that was, it was, the- it was a bit, I agreed with some of the Twitter narrative that, Josh Allen, maybe you don't need to be a Roldis Chapman and throw 102 every single pitch. Uh, like maybe just take all ever. So it was a tight window, though. I mean, he needed to catch it. There actually is no excuse, but uh, he I, was, I, it was a fastball. I'll say that. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, the if you look at point differential, uh, I, you see a team that is just very unlucky. They're they're fourth. They have the fourth best. Point differential, only the Cowboys, Ravens, and 49ers are above them, above the Bills right now. Um, and, but yeah, I, I don't I don't blame it on Dorsey. I I, I think that their defense has, is super banged up. I mean, they 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 were scraping the bottom of the barrel last night getting guys in there. So I I I, I do think that it, it is somewhat the defense, but also Josh Allen. Oh, by the way, I looked at Josh Allen's deep ball rate because I was like, had the safeties just gotten too high? Too damn high. And, he, and, and there was nothing there. He's, he has a 13% downfield passing rate this season. It was 16% last year. So I was like, okay, we're going to, uh, that's going to keep rising as I look back. No, it's not, it's not the case. 12% in 2021, 12.6% in 2020. So the, that's, that's remained stable. The safeties are high, but they've always been high for Josh. They've always been high. I will say on the point of virtual thing, which is compelling, but then I you look into it a little more. It was a four-touchdown victory over the Raiders in week two. Then it was a 34-point victory over the Commanders in week three, back in the days where Sam Howell was taking like nine sacks yeah. per half. Mm-hmm. It was a four-touchdown victory over the Dolphins, but since that Dolphins game, a five-point loss to the Jags, a five-point win over the Giants, four-point loss to the Patriots, a six-point win over the Bucks. It's like they've been losing to bad teams. They've been barely beating bad teams. It feels like there's maybe it is just the defensive injuries, but like that there's something like fundamentally rotten at like the heart of the team right now. 
And uh, well, there's there's some definitely some locker room issues, and I think we're going to hear about that. Well, yeah, I think Sean McDermott is as good as gone. By the way, he too. is definitely gone. Yes, I think unless they make the Super Bowl, I don't even think making the AFC Championship game would say no. No, they, they would have to make a Super Bowl run. Either be yeah, win the Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl. That that that's his only saving grace. I think he knows that. He probably the, the Bills. By the way, they have me in like incoherent ranting mode. Um, I was in a, I wish this were a joke, but Kyle Dvorak and I, some of our listeners may be familiar with him, got in an hour long Slack debate about the I, this morning. I did, I did see that. I tried to read it, but I ran out of, after two hours, I, I, <laughs> so, where were you, Denny? <laughs> I was grinding news blurbs. You were thankfully grinding blurbs and not getting distracted. Uh, part of the, the bills, I mean, James Cook. Is he screwed? Was he rejuvenated in the second half last night? What's our? Can he still be considered an RB two? Was it three fumbles last night? And well, you know, yes, I think it was three. He picked up the one that bounced uh, fortuitously, not as Trey Aikman said, gratuitously. (laughs) I noticed. I noticed that. And I'm not listen. I'm not bagging on Troy. That's all. That's hard. That's hard to come up. With big words on the spot. There. It was also gratuitous. It was his third. It was, and you know, maybe he meant it. Maybe I'm just completely off base, and it was, it was gratuitous. It was also fortuitous, and and uh, so he comes away with a big run there. Uh, yeah. So for those who who didn't see, James Cook was benched because he fumbled on the, I think, the first play. Um, first play, also his first fumble of the season for the bill. Right, first fumble. So then you have to humiliate him and punish him by putting the oldest, most washed. Uh, running back in the NFL in there. Latavius Murray got the next like eight carries or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, Cook had 12 carries to only nine for Latavius Murray. Cook had 109 yards on those 12 carries, 70, 71 of which came after contact. Um, you know, so I, I, I think, I think it, wor- it worked out. It worked out for James Cook and the, James Cook seems like he's good. He seems like when, when you give him some, some actual, touches not just like seven carries he's good so uh i i do think the metrics spell should point to them maybe using him a little more and that could definitely i'm sure that was maybe one of the points of contention between ken dorsey and sean mcdermott it could have been sean mcdermott wanting james cook benched it probably was sean mcdermott wanting him benched and not ken dorsey but it, it would stand to reason maybe an adjustment they're going to change up this backfield in some way they have leonard Fournette waiting to get activated any week now but the Bills, as they do every year, usually commit to one back in December. Once the Lake Erie winds begin to swirl, yeah. I have no clue why it would not be James Cook. And as he showed last night, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe just give him more carries. Have you ever, never thought of that? He's like, he's really good at forcing missed tackles. He's really good at yards after contact. I don't really understand what the issue is, except for, you know, hey, you, your previous point about lack of identity, maybe they just they just don't know what they're doing. He's also an efficient pass catcher. Uh, would you say he's a top 24 RB2 for week 11? Oh, man, against the New York Jets. Why are they playing uh, the Jets? Yikes. Yeah, no, I mean, that 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 is that's a rough one. Uh, well, no, you know what? Actually, the, the Jets have been a, a run funnel. That doesn't mean that the Bills will run it. But it does mean that teams have attacked them on the ground of late. So, you know, hey, yeah, yes, top 24. Let's do it. So the Bills, who are 5-5, five and five, again, which includes losses to the Patriots and oh, the Broncos and also the Jets, 
their upcoming schedules at versus the Jets, at the Eagles, at the Chiefs versus the Cowboys. Ugh, man, could be Joe for very soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I I had a sneaking suspicion on this game, on this Monday night game, because the Broncos are on the upswing. Uh, their defense has actually been really good, utterly dominant. Yeah. Um, they fa- they finally have uh Sertan, you know, shadowing guys like like Diggs last night. He shut down Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, and and so that that did not look good for a Bills team that it was trending downward. I, I you know I know season long wise, you look at the Broncos numbers and you go, oh, this is a defense I can attack from a fantasy standpoint. That's not really the case. I just you know think pump the brakes a little bit if you're if you're like streaming guys against the Broncos. Oh, this is a pushover defense. Lately, they've been a top defense. Oh yeah, those days are long gone of streaming against the the Broncos. I think they forced nine turnovers over their past two games. That was against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So uh, and they they contained Mahomes, I believe, even in the game the Chiefs won. I think the Chiefs only scored nineteen points. Uh, it has gone. You you have to go there, Danny. No, 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 no. You're you're right. I mean, they, they've done it against really good offenses. Um, it, it makes me even wonder, like, why are we not? Why am I not picking up the Broncos and using them in fantasy? It is weird. So they've had the success by going total shell mode. Uh, Russell Wilson has been under 200 yards passing in five straight mm-hmm, games. Mm-hmm. And that was 223 yards. Uh, this game plan they had for Russell Wilson last night was. Uh, one of the most conservative game plans I've ever seen in my life. Where the only passes he was allowed to attempt, like these little, like l- l- looping, loping, like check down, sideline check down. It was so weird. He made the same pass like five different times in that mm-hmm. game. And he did venture deep finally a little bit at the end of the game, I had a few big plays. But uh, there's almost, is there anyone you want to start in this offense beyond Javante Williams is I guess an RB2 at this point and Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver 3 is Russ even remotely streamable he's getting touchdowns I no no I I mean I don't think that he's streamable in 12 team leagues I don't think that that's what you're going for um I know Cortland Sutton really dominated targets last night which is surprising because the Bills have been pretty good against outside receivers of course that's there are some splits there uh with uh, uh Trey White being out um <clears throat> Yeah, Judy. Judy's not really startable unless you have like multiple flex spots and you just have to, <laughs> to have to fill those in every week. Um, and and the and the reason, part of the reason for that is that the Broncos are super run heavy. They're 26th in pass in pass rate over expected right now. They've been under their expected pass rate in all four all four of the past four games. So four games in a row, some would say. And uh, uh, and so I, that's the that's the game plan. I mean, there, there's no universe where. Sean Payton says, all right, we're opening up the pass game. That That is not going to happen. And can we talk real quick about how weird that last series was where they're setting up for the field goal? One of the, can you I mean, explain what was happening? I, As you may or may not have known, I tweeted about this seriously probably nine or ten different times. <laughs> it was maybe the dumbest thing I've ever seen happen in a football game. Man, where if, if you don't know what Denny's talking about, the, the, the Broncos were so determined to drain the clock that they were willing to take a knee, I believe with like 16 seconds left, and then like fire drill their kicking unit onto the field. It was – they were so scared of giving the Bills like 12 seconds that they fire drilled on their field goal unit and, of course, horribly missed the field goal, like the most obvious miss I've ever seen. It was the most galaxy brain thing I think I've ever seen an NFL coach do. It also, was so, so stupid. Russell Wilson was taking – 
large steps backwards before kneeling. So he's making the he's making the field goal longer. I mean, not, not that they were in the 50 yard range or anything, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great strategy to be like, we're going to back it up four yards. You know, yeah. like I, I, I don't I didn't get that at all. I don't know if that was the plan to like, let's let's make the Bills uh, um, scurry so that they're going to have 12 guys in the field. If it did, that, that worked. That worked perfectly. If not, then that that was that was a team, the Broncos that were trying desperately not to lose. They were not trying to win at all. They were just like, please, God, don't let me lose. They were so afraid of losing. They thought if they gave the Bills, it would seriously be like 11 or 12 seconds, That which ideally you would end the game on the walk-off field goal attempt. But yeah, they were going to give them 11 or 12 seconds. The game was over. And that was serious. I, I can be prone to hyperbole. I have genuinely never seen anything like that. It was and, very weird. I, I couldn't – I was I was, you know, kind of checking myself like, wait, have I have I forgotten something about this game? The timeout situation, like, is someone hurt that I don't know about? No, no, it was the kickers, as you know, need like at least twenty seconds, to like, get yeah. mentally ready for the field goal. And they rush him on. No, they it, rush this guy on. And Will, Will Lutz is it's been very shaky this yeah, year. Yeah, no, no, it was. I've quite. I'm truly have never seen anything like that. A team intentionally fire drill a field goal attempt and. Karma, they should have lost the game because that oh, yeah. was just an absolutely horrific decision. It was. I, Sean Payton is uh, – he's pretty scared. He's, he's very big bra- – he's scared and he's also big-brained. Like, oh, Will but he's, he, he's coaching scared for sure. He's coaching – he's terrified of Russell Wilson. That's pretty clear. He is, as he should be. I mean, that, that part I actually agree with, <laughs> <laughs> being terrified of Russ. Uh, we'd be remiss if we ended this game. We've been talking about forever. If we did not talk about Dalton Kincaid yeah. – I mean, set and forget top five tight end at this point, it would appear. Is that yeah. accurate? I, I mean, until Dawson Knox gets back and then it's over, I guess, uh, because yeah. Dawson Knox is the most important player in Buffalo franchise history. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Knox is not eligible to come back until week 12. He'll probably be out longer than that. You know, uh, he is a pretty serious injury. So we'll see when he returns. But uh, Dalton Kincaid, fourth among all tight ends in pass routes. And third in tight end targets since his role expanded in week seven. He's running about 55% of his routes from the slot and 18% from out wide. And here's an important part, Pat. Uh, he's a scam. Kincaid's a scam. Uh, his his average depth of target is under five, which we like. Ooh. We like that. Man. Give us that all day. Give us those cheap PPR points, those Hawkinson points. We like that. We don't want our tight ends like Kyle Pitts having to work for those points. We we like we like our guys underneath. That's what Kincaid's getting. Yeah, we want the Hawk cash register to go burr. That's what we want. <laughs> That's you know, right. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid make the Hawk cash register go burr. Uh, we will be right back after this. Sunday night football is headed to altitude this week when the Vikings travel to Denver for a battle with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Coverage of the interconference matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC sports. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I am thankful you brought up that field goal. I, I was seriously in utter disbelief at what I was witnessing with that field goal attempt. And they, they should have lost. I mean, we're getting like total like narrative city with the Bills, which is fun. Uh, but the Broncos, man, they needed to lose that game after what tempting the gods like that. That and was to get uh, bailed out was just that was a poorly, poorly coached game on both. It was the, the amount of galaxy brain, the back to back all out blitz was just oh, oh, you mean you mean uh, the blitz against Russell Wilson, the zero blitz, and and, and does, so Russell's been in the league for 25 years, he doesn't recognize that, he doesn't well, recognize it. He he just sits there, Pat. He didn't move. He just got, he just got the ball and he immediately just fell down. He literally didn't move. He did <laughs> he did just get the ball, and it was it was kind of a Jimmy Garoppolo. He's let the ocean waves take him wherever I end up. I end up on the first. But I thought you were going to say make the point though. He's been in the league twenty five years. Uh, when he gets the look a second time, he's going to beat it that time. Obviously, and, but he didn't. then he did. It was. Uh, I agree on your point too, though. He wait, wait, wait! Play. He beat it the second time when he oh 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 when he threw it up. They did it the exact right. same play right. the next right. one. Even Russell Wilson's like, all right, I got to just chuck this out here, and of course someone's going to commit pass interference. It's like that's yeah. the only ending to that kind of play. And I calling that again, calling it once was pretty wild, but it was inspired. Calling it twice was a horrible coaching decision. <laughs> he did, yeah. It was the classic where if you don't play video games, you might not know what I'm talking about. Where you just like he snap. It was like he pressed snap and then set his controller down, and then the controller automatically kind of backs you up a little bit. Like you start drifting. And it was like he drifted two steps, and the, the waves. Of- Man, that's that's true. I I remember being like, okay, well he's going to beat this because the whole world can see they're sending nine guys. And and he was he just got it and he was like nope I'm going down. <laughs> I did just just pressing your luck and doing that again though by the Bills caught me. There was Sean McDermott man this guy's tilted out of his mind. He is out of he his is. mind. He's got nothing, and uh, yeah, he will be fired. You know who didn't have nothing? Denny. Uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray had something in Week Ten. His 2023 debut, he didn't have a passing touchdown, but 19 of 32, 249 yards, almost eight yards per attempt, six carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. Before Monday Night Football, he was the QB 12. I'm assuming Josh Allen and maybe even Russell Wilson finished ahead of him, but basically what we needed to see from Kyler Murray in his debut. Quarterback is looking a little deeper than it did a few weeks ago, but Murray has the Texans this week. They're becoming like a perpetual shootout machine. They have the Rams, who have just been one of the worst real-life defenses, one of the worst fantasy defenses in Week 12. Kyler Murray, like, safely back in the top 12 might be pushing it a bit. I thought he would be every week top 12. It's looking more like maybe 14 or 15. What are realistic expectations for Kyler Murray? Yeah, I I think that that – I think QB1 is fine. You know, I don't don't know why I thought that there would be – some sort of ramp up period. I'm almost embarrassed to say it because it's like, of course there's not a ramp up period. Like they're not going to put him on the field unless he's ready to be Kyler. Well, there, there was a ramp up period. They did. I wrote about this in my column. Uh, they just, unlike most teams, they did a ramp up period just off the field. As we know, teams are so addicted yeah. to rushing yeah. players back. They took 
their sweet time getting it back. They exhausted the entire 21-day practice window, which doesn't really ever happen. And they just actually waited for him to get as close to 100% health as he was going to get right. and then played him. So I think the ramp-up period was just You're off right. the field. You're right. And that. so I'm, I'm thinking, oh, well, we got to see it. But, yeah, we saw it. I mean, he was rushing six rushes, 33 yards, a touchdown. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't good as a passer, but we got we did get something going for us, Pat. It, it appears that the horizontal raid is not happening, which is which is nice, which is, I know you mentioned that in your column as well. Um, so Kyler was 25th out of 28 qualifying quarterbacks in completion rate over expected. So really quite inaccurate. Um, he missed Marquise Brown on an easy 23 yard touchdown um, in the second half there. But here's the thing, though. Kyler's average depth of target was 10 and a half yards. That is a lot higher than we're used to seeing. Last year, it was seven yards, okay? Whoa. The year before that, it was 8.2. So if we can get keep that going, that could be interesting, not just for him, but for for, for all of his pass – or his main pass catchers, I should say. Just the way he needs to be used to – or sometimes I think he has a bit of Daniel Jones syndrome where he just doesn't want to throw deep. And Kyler, excuse me, Cliff got scapegoated for that a lot, where I think maybe it's a little bit more Kyler than we were giving it credit for. But not like Daniel Jones. He throws like a really, really great, beautiful deep ball. Daniel Jones's deep ball graded out well in the metrics, but Kyler's deep ball passes the eye test. Yeah. And he's always had the personnel for a deep game. That's why it's so frustrating that he never, ever sparked Marquise Brown last year. Yes. Like, dude, this guy, well, neither Lamar Jackson – uh, maybe that's a Marquise Brown. Maybe, maybe it's a Hollywood situation. But man. either way, Kyler has been like one of the most obvious candidates in the league. Like this guy needs to throw deep more. And it was the most obvious adjustment I felt like Jonathan Gannon's coaching staff could make. And you're telling me after one game at least that they've done it. Yeah. So it, just a, a further, uh, more granular breakdown here. The so he completed he completed two of his four deep shots uh, last week against the the Falcons. Now I lost the tab. Oh, there we go. Uh, he completed two of his four deep shots for sixty one yards. Um, he completed thirteen of fifteen uh, from zero to nine yards. But it was it was the middle stuff. It was the intermediate stuff. Ten to nineteen yards off the line of scrimmage that he really struggled. Two of nine on oh. those, including his interception. So that obviously is a little bit concerning. That's where the inaccuracy comes in. But yeah, the, the A dot is, I think, uh, makes me bullish on Marquise Brown, on Trey McBride, and, you know, on Kyler as well. The short to intermediate inaccuracy, it could be a fluke one game, obviously. It could be, that is one area where quarterbacks tend to struggle coming back from a torn ACL. It's kind of weird, like in baseball, when they come back from Tommy John, their velocity returns, but a lot of times their control doesn't return their first year. You actually do see a quarterback's inaccuracy too. Like somewhat counterintuitively, I think you don't see it as much down the field. Like you're just throwing a deep ball. Yeah. You know, like that's a ball that a lot of times the receiver just adjusts to. So maybe, maybe he can like have this weird dichotomy where he is more inaccurate than expected in the short to intermediate. But if he's throwing deep more often, uh, he can make up some of that, those lost gimme points. That, ah, this feels very galaxy brained as I'm talking through. Uh, he was, I think he was good enough to start if you, if you, if you stashed him in 12 team leagues. And also that Houdini scramble he had, not the touchdown he had. No. It, it looked like the normal, like, crazy Kyler legs was bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that was a really good sign. Whereas QB1 viability. We got to talk about another quarterback who loves to talk about himself and really, really loves to rehab in front of national TV cameras. Again, I've already made this joke in the podcast, but Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, wow, 
what are all these NBC cameras doing here? I was just just getting my workout in. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> this, wow, this was kind of random. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. I'm just out here rehabbing yeah. my Achilles injury you know, on the MetLife Stadium turf an hour before the game. I didn't think you'd be here. Yeah, oh, but oh, you're here. I'm, I'm rehabbing. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, no, I was, I was, this is kind of embarrassing. Wow, man. If you're here, I guess I'll just keep doing it. I mean, you can film if you want. Yeah. And you can put it live on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. put it live on all the sports networks. Uh, the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers told our colleague, NBC's Melissa Stark, that he's planning to return in mid-December, which, again, this guy didn't have a full Achilles tear then. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, it was like a, a half – or is that clear? Or, or is he just well, crazy okay. enough? All right. So it was explained to me this way. Look, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to know anything about anything when it comes to health. Okay. Uh, but it was explained to me this way by an ankle slash foot surgeon. Uh, an Achilles recovery for a running back or receiver is way different than it is for a pocket passing quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So he's after four months, which is that that's the time frame we'd be working with after four months. It, it actually, the Achilles per this, this ankle surgeon would actually be healed. It would not be ready for the, the rigors of an NFL game. If you are cutting on it, like a running back or a receiver, or I guess even a tight end. But if you're just standing in the pocket throwing, you can possibly play on it. The yeah. issue is the second he scrambles, what happens? I don't know, but uh, so that that's the difference is that, you know, we're not talking about a guy recovering and then taking 25 carries uh, in a game. We're talking about a guy who's just going to sit back there and throw it. Which would be a stylistic change for Aaron Rodgers. He does kind of like to scramble around and like get outside the pocket and throw. And you would have to think, I mean, maybe he's just in late career nihilism mode, but I have to feel like the chances of a retear would be extraordinarily high. That is another thing that I have read and I've I've heard is that uh, wow I mean he has really taken a chance here. So he claims he's coming back in mid December, but the Jets they're four and five. They are the thirteen seed in the AFC right now. Do you think they'll even be good enough for Rodgers to do this crazy plan? And we make a lot of fun of Aaron Rodgers, but I can kind of understand he's going to be forty years old. There's a good chance he thinks this is his true last ride. I could see why he's doing everything possible to get back, but. Is it even going to be worth his while? Anyway, they're still in. They're four and five. They've got the Bills this week, you know, who could not be more desperate for a win. They have the Dolphins then on Black Friday for some reason. Uh, then the Falcons, then the Texans, then the Dolphins again. What are the realistic odds we're actually going to even see Aaron Rodgers play, even if he could, that we're going to see him play? I mean, with that schedule and with Robert Sala saying he's sticking with uh, Zach Wilson no matter what. And also Robert Sala's beard. Uh, I think that it is Jobel. <laughs> it's Jobel. It's Jobel. I, I like the beard. Do you not like his beard? It's uh, it's, is it's it overly groomed. Is it overly? It is extremely high T beard. It, yeah. It is groomed. Oh, it is groomed. Groomed. I, he looks like he 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 trims that thing with a laser. Well, like 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 every three or four hours, he gets someone to touch it up with a laser. <laughs> it's what it looks like. Yeah, it is. It is very very high T. Yeah, um, it is. But yeah, that, that fits. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, this week I, they could beat the Bills. Sure. Okay. So let's just give them that. They'll beat. They beat the Bills. Just giving them the Bills game. Yeah, just give them the Bills. Uh, they 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 lose the Dolphins. They they beat the Falcons. Oh well. They're gonna. Ex- you know what's gonna happen, man. You they know what's the Falcons happening. for sure. They're going to expose the Dolphins. You know what's happening. Oh, man. Well, if they beat the Bills and the Dolphins, then Rodgers is super live. 
If they beat the Bills and the Dolphins, Rodgers is playing week 13 against the Falcons on yeah. December 13th. I actually make that prediction right now. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds right to me. So uh, I don't, from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, I don't think he's going to be worth no. the roster spot, but no, 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 no. it's great. It's awesome for Garrett Wilson, who is dominating everything in that offense. He is. I, I've just thought of a new necessary Wikipedia entry, by the way. Uh, because of Aaron Rodgers. There now needs a Wikipedia entry on Achilles nihilism. <laughs> Achilles nihilism. Uh, Achilles nihilism. Uh, a school of thought, a philosophy pioneered by American football quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um, nothing ma- Just live for the Achilles today. That's right. And mm-hmm. also walk like it doesn't hurt in front of the camera. <laughs> I know. Oh, man, you can see him straining. Basically. <laughs> Just a normal walk. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. walk all the time. Yeah. I'm, I actually walk faster now <laughs> than I did before the Achilles tear. <laughs> uh, we digress. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Bijan Robinson. Yeah. How do you say he, he says All his right, name yeah. different now? So what is this? I, I, you know, on the on the pregame set uh, with every with the guys on Sunday, I said Bijan, and Michael Smith said, "Wait, how are we pronouncing?" <laughs> <laughs> he spit out his coffee all over you. He said, "Are we and, doing Bijan or is it Bijan?" I said, "I thought the updated version was Bijan. He had a good game, so he could have changed it. You know, which, true. Which, which tends to happen with NFL players. They it change does. according to." how well they did the previous week. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm not qu- quite updated. I thought it was Bijan. Anyway, I mean, the announcers, listen, the announcers on Falcons games uh, have have emphasized Bijan. So they're all in on Bijan. I just want to say that much. Right. But uh, right. yeah, uh, yeah, it was good good stuff for him in his homecoming to Arizona. Oh, stop. Are you really going to try to propagate <laughs> this narrative? <laughs> the only reason he got 20 carries is because he's playing in Arizona. That's Don't it. think that's I didn't whole, know what you were doing. That's the whole reason. Yeah. Stop. I mean, 22 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Algier relegated to nine carries for 31 yards and of course, Bajan Robinson was the was the inside the ten running back for most of this game, and he that's where he got that touchdown. So it's uh, it, I mean, maybe it's capitulation on the part of Artie Smith. It is, uh, but I don't know. I get, I don't know if he's capitulating to Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, or if he's capitulating to the nerds who have screamed at him for three months to get <laughs> the ball to uh, Bajan Robinson. It just he's capitulating to common sense when you're playing quarterback musical chairs and you used a top eight pick on a running back, you may want to base the offense on the running back. Just just a thought. And I don't know who he's capitulating to, but as we touched in great detail last week, he shaved the mustache and then Bajan gets twenty-two carries. I mean, it's Jover for art. It's I, over over for art. That that's you know, we we joke we joked about it on Galaxy Brains, but actually 
It might be analytics. It actually the, the, might the, be. It's true. The, yeah. the end of the mustache equals equals him saying, okay, like uh, I'm done being mustachioed Arthur Smith. I want to go back to clean shaven Arthur Smith, who just gives the damn ball to his elite running back. And he is elite. He is elite. Yeah, by the way, I wasn't joking on Galaxy Brains about that. I never joke on Galaxy. I never do either. I was just making sure you didn't. Uh, <laughs> I never have. By the way, he's, he, not to like throw every narrative uh, into a disarray, but he the mustache was almost all the way back by Sunday, by the way. Wow. He was totally clean shaven on Monday, and then it was already almost back by Sunday. So, A, extremely powerful hair growing powers. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but B, he has no idea how this works. You're in desperation superstition mode. You don't just grow it back immediately. You, you uh, Does Arthur know you have to shave it again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, in, you're in like desperation. This is my last gas ploy mode superstition. You don't just grow it back. I mean, no, you don't. You keep it shaved for at least one entire game. But I, do we have anything actual to say here? They're on bye this week. I don't know why. Like, why would they go back to what they were doing? It wouldn't make any sense. And oh yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's probably as a as a Tyler Algier dead ender. <laughs> you are a dead ender. I I will say that it's probably Jover for Algier, and it'll be Robinson's uh, backfield from here on out. Yeah, Denny, how many different texts? How's your guy doing? It's a, <laughs> a screenshot of Tyler Gier with six carries for seven. Uh, I, got, I, I got some some online uh, comments about uh, where's my God now? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I I don't know. If you if you see my God, please. My God has forsaken me. <laughs> my, uh, the Tyler Gier God has forsaken me. And yeah. I just turned red. <laughs> you are red. <laughs> Very, very red. Uh, the other percolating Bijan Robinson situation we have in the league is, of course, Jameer Gibbs versus David Montgomery. We kind of speculated that Dan Campbell was too reasonable to put the Gibbs genie all the way back in the bottle, even with David Montgomery coming back. And that appeared to be correct. Two one-yard touchdowns for Jameer Gibbs, which just straight up would not have happened oh, yeah. with Dave, before David Montgomery's injury. It was pointed out that one of those plunges, uh, David Montgomery was coming on the field he was being sent on the field, but then he actually waved Jameer Gibbs back on the field. Like basically like, yo, you like, you got us down here. You score the touchdown. Really? Yeah. So that's interesting. Huh. But also I, this is another situation. I don't know why I would just go back to the strict only David Montgomery can take short yardage carries. So, so on and so forth. Like, I feel like this is probably a, a pretty accurate representation of how this backfield is going to look going forward. Or do you disagree? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Yes, uh, I will say that if I had if I had to choose one one guy uh, to be the the ascending guy, it would be Gibbs because Gibbs was more involved in the passing game. He was splitting the early down work. I mean, Montgomery saved his day with a seventy five yard touchdown, which was was awesome. And I, I do I do think that like like we've said several times on the show uh, this year. The Lions offense has just been so great for running backs over the past two years. I mean, it's super run heavy, run first all the time. They really hammer it home in the second half when they have a lead. Uh, and so both of these guys, I think, can get there. But if Gibbs gets goal line involvement with the rest of it and how good he's really good, uh, you are talking about uh, a, a guy who could like single handedly win you weeks. 
Yeah, yeah. If David Montgomery got injured again, Jameer Gibbs would probably be in the top two or three at running back. That that was clearly the way things were trending in week eight. Uh, if he gets even 30% of the goal line carries, he's probably the top 12 running back. Is that yeah, too yeah, aggressive? Yeah. Um, no, no, the, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, uh, golf and Amon Ross St. Brown had a good day, obviously, against against the Chargers. But the, the Lions were still 7% under their expected dropback rate. You know, they like they don't, you know, don't get it twisted. Like they're not trying to be balanced or yeah. anything like they want to get the ball to Gibbs and they want to get the ball to Montgomery. And so I think that not only do they have weekly floors that, that are that are usable, they have ceilings. They both have ceilings because. They want to. They want to funnel this offense through through the backfield. The Lions just make a run based offense actually look good too. Yes, it's creative, varied usage of the running backs, and then on the pass attempts they do have the ball is funneled to the best players. And Isn't it weird? That's weird, right? That, very weird. that you you get the ball to St. Brown and to Laporta only in the passing game, and you give the ball to your running your good running backs. I mean that it's it's nice. it sounds it sounds strange and and Dan Campbell by the way Dan Campbell I have to shout out Dan Campbell went for fourth down five five times against the Chargers converted four of them we heard crickets about the analytics we did that's true <laughs> yeah that is true uh, the analytics were taking a bit of a beating on Twitter today for some people like because oh, the analytics say the Bills offense is elite and you're like yeah. And then I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. And then other people are like, oh, the analytics are broken. Yeah, we only ever hear when they miss a line, never when they fire perfectly. No, they and they were. They, I mean, Dan Campbell was super aggressive. And if if he they had messed up, if they had not converted a bunch of those five attempts, that's all you'd hear about today. Well, is, is Dan Campbell fit to be an NFL head coach? It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, his mental acuity would be questioned. <laughs> Yeah, the Steelers backfield, Denny. Jalen Warren, the Steelers apparently told him he was the starter heading into Sunday's game. Yeah. That was still, to me, to the naked eye, the, the exact same touch it is. and usage. But, yeah, so what's the update on the Steelers yeah. back? Right, right. So it, it, exciting news that Jalen Warren came out after the Packers game and said, by the way, Coach Tomlin made me the starting running back, <laughs> which uh, I feel like Steelers reporters – yeah, could maybe have known that. Could have maybe tweeted that. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, he's the starter apparently, and it doesn't matter at all. Um, <laughs> uh, Jalen. Uh, so he did. He did reach a, a near even split with Najee Harris on uh, early downs against the Packers. Uh, Harris, you know, as as recently as like three weeks ago, was like basically doubling Warren's early down snaps. So that 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 is a change. I will say that I I, I shouldn't dismiss it completely. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, War, let's see. Najee remains a short yardage back. He got the goal line carries here uh, against the Packers. Uh, I, I I think that it's pretty much the same. I I could see it being like a fifty five forty five thing with with Warren in the lead. The thing is, though, Warren has been really good by all the metrics, including he's third uh, in the league in. Um, in uh missed tackles force per rush. So he's like making, he's doing a lot with a little, I think he'll continue to do that. And we know the Steelers want to keep that ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands. Yes. So they will establish it no matter what. As they should. He uh, did have his first hundred yard rushing game of the season as quote starter against the Packers. And he's been in the Jameer Gibbs zone over the past two weeks. He has 26 carries for 189 yards. And, they might just want to keep him in the pre-2023 Tony, Tony Pollard zone where 
they're convinced he'll become less efficient on any more work. Um, they want to keep him locked in like 12 to 20 touches, somewhere in that range. So I can't really see it changing. Najee Harris is going to have 10 to 12 carries at least every week still, no matter yeah. what, like who's the starter. Um, but the Jalen Warren is creeping into the top 30 at running back. The final running back, no, we have Ty Chandler was already cutting into Alexander Madison's workload early in week 10. Then Alexander, excuse me, Alexander Madison suffered a concussion. He's highly questionable for week 11. He still could play. Players have not been playing through concussions nearly as much this week, this year after only one week. What's the Ty Chandler outlook without Alexander Madison this week or potentially with Alexander Madison down the stretch? Um, yeah. Enough of a 1B to like maybe get in the top 36 at running back. Yeah, I mean, if Madison is in there, then Chandler becomes way less enticing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Ty Chandler, I'm going to use the eye test because it, it uh, that's the only thing I have going never, for me right now. Fails. And he was just – he looked way more explosive than Alexander Madison. I mean, he didn't do a lot. He had 15 carries for 45 yards, um, basically – he didn't. He missed. One, he 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 forced one missed tackle oh. on 15 carries. So okay. you know he's not elite by any Yikes. means. But uh, but it, hey, look if a if a guy gets the whole workload in a backfield, he can be pretty fun for fantasy. We saw that with Devin Singletary last week. Yeah, if he gets the whole workload this week against the team the Vikings are playing, uh, the Broncos on Sunday Night Football on NBC, he'll be. I will hesitate to put him in the top 24 just because I'm sure. Miles Gaskin will mix in, or that special teamer with the extremely difficult to pronounce name. Um, yeah, I'm not going to try to say. No offense to him, but I would butcher it beyond belief. Um, I wouldn't put him in the top 24, Ty Chandler, even if Alexander Madison misses Week 11. But he'll be just outside the top 24, and even if Alexander Madison plays, I will keep Ty Chandler in the top 36, which means you're kind of flex live. Yeah, it might not be a great flex, but you are at least in the flex mix. I don't really know what I wanted you to talk about. I just wrote Chargers wide receiver. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kind of Quentin Johnston making a lot of mistakes, then making a few mm-hmm. plays. Jalen Guyton's back. Keenan Allen's going nuts, but he picked up an injury. Uh, yeah, to start cooking on the Chargers. Wide I receiver. mean, yeah, Keenan Allen is just dominating air yards, target share, whopper, all of the cool metrics. Okay. Uh, almost like nobody else except for CD Lamb. Him and CD Lamb are, are really like neck and neck and like domination of their respective passing attacks. I, I, you know, Quentin Johnston lucked into a touchdown last week. Beyond that, I mean, he's running a lot of routes. Uh, with Mike Williams out, uh, and with with uh, who's the other Palmer? Josh um, Palmer. Josh Palmer out. Yeah, so so he's out there a lot, but oh boy, he is he is not good, folks. I mean, the the numbers are the numbers are actually more unkind than than the film, I think. And the film's pretty bad. The film's so bad that t- Tony Romo was was trashing him during the during the broadcast. Uh, you know, and and so I I I just I feel like uh, I feel like you're you're pretty desperate if you're starting Johnston in any in any format. Uh, beyond, yeah, there's not, there's not much beyond that. The, the tight end routes are being split up. Which, oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's a Jover for Gerald Everett. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, Gerald Everett's not, not usable at all. Uh, Donald Parham is now not running routes in the red zone. I, 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 I don't know what to make of the chargers tight end usage. I thought I, I thought I had a grasp. I don't have a grasp anymore. And so I'm just avoiding them. The only thing I'll say about Quentin Johnston is that he needed 
he was one of those guys, he was in the situation where he needed anything positive to happen. And he made a lot of visible mistakes on Sunday. Toward the very end of the game, he did start moving the chains a little bit. He scored a touchdown. Maybe he just needed even like a some sort of confidence breakthrough. Yeah. Um, but I, if you say you were in true desperation mode, would you start Jalen Guyton or Quentin Johnston? Uh, that is that is tough. Uh, let me just read the real quick the numbers uh, from last week against against the uh, Lions. The Lions. Yeah. So actually. They ran the same amount of, of routes, um, and Guyton had more had, had double the air yards as uh, a Johnson. Um, so I think just from an upside standpoint, I'd probably go Guyton. Uh, I mean, Johnson is, is is horrendous. He's Guyton much better chance of popping a big play. Johnson yeah. might still have better touchdown odds, just because maybe he, he can become like a pseudo tight end in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, not a great case to be made for either. Though. He, yeah, he had the the lone end zone target on the day and made the most of it. Do we actually need to add Noah Brown back to back 150 yard games? We don't know Nico Collins' status with his calf injury. He is really, really cooking. Robert Woods has done absolutely nothing. Tank Dell is quite good, but do we? Is Noah Brown a going concern in 12 team fantasy leagues? Didn't? I mean, he's running insanely hot. Like, uh, is only only Amon Ross St. Brown has a higher yards per route run than Noah Brown over the past two weeks. Um, just give you an idea. Of, I I don't I don't think Noah Brown is 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 that uh, is that good. Uh, you know, seventy five percent route share since week seven when he returned from his injury. Um, he's second on the team in targets in targets per route run since week seven. He's hitting big plays down the seam. He's running a lot of slot routes. I think in PPR he does, he needs to be rostered. He needs to be rostered. And uh, the one the one thing that that still kind of bothers me about this Texans offense, as good as CJ Stroud has been, is that they don't want to be pass heavy. Like no, they, they, they don't. They they did they, they very very much don't. They were way under their expected uh, pass rate against the Bengals, despite you know Stroud going nuts. So uh, I I just I that makes me you know for for a, a, a tertiary target like Noah Brown. I just don't know if he's if he's gonna be able to get there without ripping off massive chunk plays, which you know to be fair, he he has done. He has been doing it. We have a potential shootout with a pretty shaky Cardinals defense this week. The early line, excuse me, the early totals at 47 and a half. Texans are home favorites though. That's not good. Wish this game was on the road. Yeah. Uh, make them pass. Yeah. Uh, we could be getting 35 Devin Singletary carries on Sunday, it looks like but yeah, I, I agree with your Noah Brown take. I agree with almost everything you said today, except for the Ken Dorsey stuff. Yeah. By the way, Devin Singletary, his underlying stuff was so good against the Bengals, and it, and it and it actually harkened back to his Buffalo days, where it's like you you look at the numbers and you're like, wait, why why is this guy not the lead back? And like you said earlier in the show, Pat, eventually the Bills always made him the, the lead back in December. They were like, oh right, 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 right. He's our lead back. He's our best back by far. We're gonna make him and but you know he's he's good he's good I, I Damian Pierce is like borderline droppable yeah you probably he's like someone I'm not ordering people to drop him but like if you're in a tough roster spot like he is droppable I wouldn't say he's like get him off your roster but that he is droppable so he's, would, he's not he's not coming back to to anything close to it no. to a good workload here no he yeah he's droppable. He might be a must drop, actually. There's no <laughs> way. You, you've changed your mind over the last 30 seconds. I'm scrolling through some of these lines, by the way. 
the man, the Dolphins 12 point favorites over the Raiders. That feels very, very hefty to me. Yeah, we have a lot. Well, there's like four or five lines of at least nine points. Could be a rough week in the old fantasy it, football. Antonio Pierce is not letting his guys lose by 12. I could tell you. That. No, he's not. Are the Dolphins frauds? I really hope they're not. They're they're emitting some fraud vibes heading into their bye, though. I thought. Yeah, they. yeah. I mean, it, I, I I think it's more than vibes. I think that they are just frauds. <laughs> Do you really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. That, I mean, come on. They, they can't even compete with good teams. Like it's they, not, have, they haven't had a good win yet. It's not. It's not like. It's not like. Oh, they're so close. They're not close. They're not close. <laughs> I would simply get a good win once if I were not a fraud. I, it's it. Look, it comes down to uh, uh, Tua being a system quarterback, and he is, and he and that, and, th- and that works. That works for a lot of guys. Tua will have a long career, successful career probably, but he's a system quarterback. And the thing about a system quarterback is that he can't create. And if you have a guy who can't create out of out of the system, then it's over. He's Jimmy Garoppolo with the dog levels, which is a huge difference. Like yeah. Tua actually wants to win. Tua will do anything to stay on the field. Not that it's totally buried, Jimmy Garoppolo. But he, he's like if Jimmy Garoppolo wanted to be a playmaker. Um, yeah. That's what I'd say about Tua. Yeah, sure. I, I'll go with that. What I would say about this show is that it's over. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Denny Carter. The Regression Files will be live on Wednesday. Always extremely good stuff in there. The Rankings might actually be live on Wednesday, late Wednesday evening, instead of the normal Thursday morning. I'm having some scheduling conflicts this week, so be on the lookout for all that. Be on the lookout uh, I don't know, for a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff on the site. So much so much content. Kyle Kyle Dvorak's waiver piece, really good this week. Really, really good. Um, yeah, the regression files are great, so check it out. I'm just going to end the show instead of meandering continuously. Um, so for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with Kyle Dvorak on Thursday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.